the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Difference Makers. Welcome aboard. My name is Mike Lee, Director of Local Industries for True Talk 800, now broadcasting in Vancouver and East Portland on 106.3 FM, 93.9 KPDQ, AM 860, The Answer, KPAM, La Pertona 1640, 93.1 El Rey, and 104.1 The Fish. And I'd love to talk with you about getting more people back into your church, sharing about your ministry through our free online church directory and our church service live stream directory, expanding your ministry or business beyond your walls, establishing yourself as an authority in your field, and becoming more known through radio. Building awareness of your company or outreach by hosting our events at your location at no risk to you. Marketing your message or brand directly to your target audience through the powerful online tools of Salem Surround. And most importantly, if your ministry leader or your pastor could use a phone call, a word of encouragement, a cup of coffee, or a connection to others, please let me know by emailing mikelee at kpdq.com. That's M-I-K-E-L-E-E at kpdq.com. One of the things I love best about my job is the ability to connect with others. And thanks to my pal Crystal Thornton from 104.1 The Fish, my newest friend is Rachel Prophet, who is the founder of a couple of ministries. One is the Heart's Desire Ministry, and the other is called C'est La Vie Ministry, which is spelled S-E-L-A-H, as in Selah, get it? V-V-I-E Ministry. So welcome, Rachel Prophet. How are you today? Hi, Mike. Thank you. I am excellent. It is sunny and warm and absolutely wonderful, so I'm doing great. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to record this interview remotely because you are nowhere near Portland. So (laughs) tell me where you're recording this interview from at this moment. I get to be in my home. We live off of a forest service road, so I am tucked away into the trees, and I have a gorgeous view of the mountains and um, completely blue sky right now. So I'm just off the Oregon coast outside of Lincoln City. I love that area. And you know, it's so Mm -hmm. therapeutic to be near the ocean. I miss that. Yes. Yes. It's beautiful. Can you give us your elevator pitch, please, Rachel Prophet? (laughs) What exactly is Heart's Desire Ministry? How did you stumble into my pal, Crystal Thornton? And what's the big picture? Oh, my goodness. Some big questions right there. Well, I was invited to speak by my good friend, Sandy Cruz. She puts on fundraisers and events and large worship nights. And so I was very honored to be one of two speakers for this evening, and it was called Common Ground. And it was a night to bring people together, whether, you know, believers, non-believers, whatnot, but just to come in. And I was able to actually have a table set up for my ministry, for Heart's Desire Ministry. So I was up on stage, I was speaking just real quickly, but how the Lord has healed me in my life through very difficult, painful places of loss and grief. And the table itself has this whole setup of very beautiful handmade necklaces that I that I work on often. I put together keys, necklaces, key chains, and whatnot. I also have shirts, two different styles, and one says, I desire him. And on the back it says, and he desires me, which is just truth. And then the other one says, the key, which is a picture of a key, the key to my heart is Jesus. Because he unlocks so many wonderful things and lets you just step into freedom. But Heart's Desire Ministry, it was actually born, I guess, out of a a place of deep, deep loss. 
I have lost three out of my five children. So three of them are in heaven. And the Lord, when he said, I want you to start this ministry, Heart's Desire Ministry, with the keys. It's a tangible piece that you get to wear or even, you know, have on your key ring or maybe a bag. But it's a living promise because on the tag for the keys, it says Jesus is the key to heaven. And I say that because when three of my children are now really in heaven, I get, when it's my time to go home, I finally get to be with my children because they are in heaven. And the way that I am able to get to heaven is only through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is my key to heaven. My very first baby girl, her, her name is Mariah Serene. She was stillborn at nine months. And so I knew for about six days the outcome that my husband and I were going to endure of knowing she was not alive when she was going to be born. And so I held her inside for those six days until labor was really happening and active and going on. And um, I, I gave birth to her and it's just the perfect word that everything just absolutely became still. And during that time, I really made a promise to her and I said, Mariah Serene, I promise you that I will never shy away from God because I know where you are at and I have to get to you. Like, I, I will be where you are at because I know God is the God of the living and not the God of the dead. And so I made her that promise and I've tried very, very hard to keep that promise. That doesn't mean that I wasn't angry with God or didn't talk to him for quite some time. And, you know, it's so hard to navigate your way through deep grieving and loss and being empty handed or, you know, an empty womb and wanting something so badly and then being left empty handed. That is so terrible and heartbreaking. But the Lord himself is so gracious, kind, and faithful, and full of mercy. And so when he asked me, I want you to start this ministry, these keys, I am able to send them out to families, to mothers, anyone that has lost a child, a family member, a great-grandchild even, um, people will email me and say, we have just been through this horrific loss, or we don't know what to do, or I have a friend who who just um, ended up miscarrying at 18 weeks along, and I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do for her um, and the family. Can I please have some keys? Because this brings hope with a living promise of I can't bring your child back or your loved one back but really Jesus is the key to heaven and through him you get to go there as well and you will see your child you will see your loved one again you know at at any age and the response that I have received back from people is overwhelming absolutely in the best way. Like, wow, this came at the exact right moment. I thought everyone forgot about my baby or about my child or about my spouse, even any loved one. I can't talk about them or I can't say their name or whatnot. You know, all of these thoughts um, come out of people's minds and their hearts. And, um, you know, grief does a lot of crazy things. But the response of like, wow, I thought you all forgot, but you didn't. And I received this key and I love it or I wear it all of the time. Or um, I just have it on my key ring. And guess what? Someone stopped me at the grocery store and they saw it. And now it's a conversation piece. Like, wow, Jesus is the key to heaven. I really like that. It's very shiny. It's very pretty. Or you're a believer too. Yes, I am. 
you know, and it just opens up that conversation to have those real moments, those real life moments of, hey, me too. I've lost somebody or I miscarried or I actually am a mother of five, but I really only have two in my arms, you know? And so I met Crystal at this night at Common Ground and she looked at this table and she's like, girl, are you kidding me? I love this. We need so much more of this. And it's just those tangible items to be able like, I don't have any words, but I see you, I hear you, and here you go. You know, like she said, you know, giving out hope and encouragement is, I mean, what it's about. That's how lives can be changed, even by just a simple gift. You know, and I was like, wow, Crystal, thank you so much. Like, I I appreciate that greatly. So, yeah, and now here we are with this connection. And I love it. Rachel, thanks so much for sharing your story. Despite being a successful public speaker, there have to be some days where it's tougher to share about your pain than other days. So was there a point when you had discovered before Mariah's passing in your womb Mm -hmm. that God just brought you a piece? Was it a gradual process for you and your husband and your family or what? Oh my goodness, yes. We are all in process. Absolutely. It was not just, oh, all right, well, here's my outcome and this is just it. No, it was severe um, sadness, depression, longing, anger. I mean, I guarantee you I cried every single day for an entire year straight. I mean, it was more than likely much longer than that. But the more you love, the more you hurt, you know, and everybody and their mother had their opinions and their words that they would love to share that really did not make anything better at all. Um, And so, you know, you, you have to choose You always have a choice to exercise grace to these people or individuals, you know, that are in your circle of influence or life um, that want to say certain things to you. Like, you know, just please be quiet. Shut your mouth. That doesn't make it better. Um, But just being with me or with us, that's helpful. You know, just like having their presence there is good. But no, the my goodness, I I am a doula. Side note, doula for about 14 years now. And, and I say this because while I was pregnant with Mariah, um, my sister-in-law was pregnant actually at the very same time with my niece. And I flew over to South Carolina. This is where she was born um, from Oregon to South Carolina. One month later after losing Mariah, And I helped my sister-in-law have her baby girl, who was very beautiful, very much alive, cried, opened her eyes, took a breath, you know. And I, um, after that experience, I did have to leave, of course. And I went down to um, a river. It's called the Ashley River. And I hadn't talked to God like that entire time since late February when we found out my outcome because I was so angry. I was so scared of certain words that were going to come out of my mouth, (laughs) cursing or whatnot. And I'm like, God is holy and I am not. I probably shouldn't even talk to him. And I also was believing a lie that he couldn't relate. Like he couldn't understand what I was going through or how I was feeling And so when I took that walk down to the Ashley River, there was a bench down there that I sat on. No one else was outside, which I'm grateful for now. And something really just kind of um, broke and I was screaming at him. I was really so angry and screaming at God and saying to him, I actually said, you're not a mother. Like, you don't even know how this feels. You know, like, how are you supposed to even relate to me? How am I supposed to bring this to you? You're not a mom. You know, like, you don't carry <laughs> carry a baby and, and give birth and all of this. Oh, my gosh. Like, are you kidding me? Why would I even say that? But that's just what was on my heart. And I finally was able to scream that out at him. And, Mike, you know, it was incredible because at that same time, when I finally spoke to him, 
it was as if he was sitting right next to me on that park bench. And I heard him so clear, but so tender and, and gentle. And he said to me, I am the father of everything. I am the father of all. And I do know exactly what it feels like to lose a child. In fact, I sent my one and only, and he did die. But he is alive again. Mike, it absolutely wrecked me in the best way because at that moment, the Lord taught me, oh my goodness, you are absolutely so relatable and you do understand and you you feel what I feel. You have lost a child. He did die and he is alive again. My child, my children, they, they have died and yet they are alive. They are more alive than you and I are right now today and I will go to them. They won't come back to me, but I will go to them. And that is a true living word promise from the Lord to me. And that is what I hold on to. And my husband and I, we used to talk all the time about being on this roller coaster of hope, right? They go up, they go down, they go in a loop, they go upside down. They, they make you feel so nauseous. They make you feel so giddy. But this roller coaster of hope of like, is there any hope left to try again and have other children? And oh my God, is this going to happen every time? Am I going to choose to have hope to have um, another baby in my womb? And do I, am I able to carry full term? You know, he or she, when, when they are born, like, do I just get a moment with them? Do I get years with them? Is it going to be the same outcome? Like there's so much to wrestle with. And yet to have a choice to choose, like, I just have to choose to hold on to faith and hope because the Lord himself says, be fruitful and multiply, right? And every child comes from him anyways, and they are blessings. And so it's like the Lord himself is the only one that opens and closes a womb. And it's like, all right, well, my hands are up in the air and I just surrender because, I mean, you're, you are the life giver, you know, and I'm not in control of anything. And, and that can make you angry too, you know, like just not having control or any sort of answers, right? Like if I lean on my own understanding, only these certain answers are coming, right? But if I choose to lean on the Lord and even surrender my sense of understanding or receiving answers or straight up not receiving answers, that's difficult as well. But that really is called faith. And it takes so much strength to choose faith and to choose hope and to lean on him. You know, um, I, I was yelling at him another time. I mean, I'm just real before the Lord um, because that's what he wants anyways. You know, that he desires that to have a deep, real, one-on-one relationship, no matter what you have to say, no matter any words that are going to be coming out, he can handle them all. Any word you choose to say or even not say, he already knows it and he can handle it. And he taught me that. I'm so grateful for that. But I was yelling at him again and I was saying in my deep pain and I was weeping uncontrollably. And I said, where are you? Like, you say that you're supposed to be my comforter, but I don't feel comfort at all. You know, where are you? And this moment, because I was actually standing in, I I, I was standing over my daughter's grave and I just, I was so not okay. And when I yelled at him, like, you're supposed to comfort me and I don't feel you at all. Mike, it was as if like the trees kind of parted and this beam of sunlight hit my face, it made me like, it made me gasp. Like, oh, I physically felt that sunlight on my face the moment I said, where are you? You're supposed to be my comforter and I don't feel you comforting me at all. And it hit me and it warmed my face. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't even make that up. How does this happen? And my husband had just driven up the driveway. He was supposed to be at work that day. But he just couldn't handle work. 
because it was really soon after we had lost Mariah. And he came home much early, and he didn't even go into the house. He just walked straight up into the backyard, into the garden, and held me. And I lost it again. Like, wow, Lord, you use so many things and people to bring comfort and to show, like, you do hear me. You do see me. You really do care. Thank you. Right? And so it's this growing, in-process relationship with him. You really can handle my tears. You really can handle my anger. You can handle any words that come out of my mouth. And yet you long, you desire to hold me, to heal me, and to comfort me. You know, and and it is a process to even get into that place of like, Lord, I really need you. Or I need so much help. I need you to heal this part of my heart and my soul. Like, there's a hole there that nothing else can fill. Nothing. So I just, I really need you. It's a journey. It's unnatural to lose a child. Mm-hmm. But Rachel Prophet has founded Heart's Desire Ministry and brings stories of encouragement and of hope and the fact that things do get better thanks to Jesus Christ. So when we return, more great wisdom and insights from Rachel Prophet next on Difference Makers. Welcome back to Difference Makers. Mike Lee here with the founder of Heart's Desire Ministry and Say La Vie Ministry. And I'll make sure to link up all of the pertinent websites on the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com. Rachel Prophet, thank you so much for sharing your stories, not only of pain, but also of encouragement. And as a professional doula, I can't even imagine how it must have been so soon after losing your child, Mariah Serene, who is delivered stillborn, to go across country and help deliver your sister-in-law's baby. There's a bunch of us at the office who have gone through loss of children like yourself. And it's like the, the club that nobody wants to be a part of. But once you're in it, somehow you're able to relate to each other and lift up each other and everyone grieves differently but in your case you were able to find hope through Christ and can you tell us how it affected your husband oh lord that's a doozy of a question right now (laughs) Um, because absolutely you are correct that we all grieve completely differently Um, I mean Obviously, I'm a woman, and so it's much easier for me to really cry and and just cry all the time or try to process through speaking, you know, just talking things out. My husband has been in many different areas through grieving. He had definitely allowed himself to really cry. I mean, his heart was broken just as mine. We would be able to communicate and, and talk. And really, I mean... By the grace of God, we are still married. Thank you, Jesus. The likelihood of a divorce skyrockets between a husband and a wife anytime there is, you know, severe loss, whatever that may look like. Um, but thank God we actually are still married. Um, and I do believe that is because of God and also communication. And just being able to be with each other and know either you can talk right now or you can't talk right now, but we're just going to hold each other because we are in it together. And so, um, yeah, he, he would build a lot of different things, um, either whether that is like distraction or I just have to try and put my mind on something else. Um, but he's very much more of like, I'm going to create something and then also destroy something like, um, 
he, he is an incredible man and um, very smart in so many things. He's actually a journeyman electrician, um, but he, he really is a top-notch handyman, you know, like he can just build things and it's beautiful and incredible. Um, and yet for him to, to process or to grieve, needing things to break down, destroy, take apart, build back up, recreate. Um, I, I, I believe that's how he processed um, or allowed himself to grieve in, in that way. Um, and yet at the same time, I was actually very grateful to have things to like rip apart with my bare hands, you know, because like you had mentioned, everyone grieves differently. And sometimes it's so beneficial to, you know, say take a dinner plate and, and just like throw it outside against a tree and, and watch it shatter because, that is exactly how you really may, we did, how we felt inside, completely shattered into uncountable pieces. Like, I can't be even put back together. I can be swept up into a pile because pieces of me became dust. You know, I mean, just completely shattered inside. And so to have those certain things, like, I just want to break something so badly. And we had those. And we broke things, not each other, thank God, but other things. Because in this light, it really, it shows what matters and what doesn't. Dishes don't matter. You know, objects do not matter. My house, my car, things, I do not care. That it's not even important to me. Come take it. I'll burn it down myself. I don't matter. You know what I mean? Not that I would, but that is like where your heart is. That's where your soul is because the one thing that you so long for and desire and love the most, you don't have, you know? So yeah, it's, you know, many different ways that my husband and I try and process grief. I think that's important, Rachel. And thank you for sharing the statistic, the fact that the loss of a child is often a huge obstacle and wedge between spouses. So are you more outgoing and is he more introverted? I'm just taking a guess here. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, you got that. Absolutely. I mean, he'll go out, he'll do many things with me, of course. But yeah, he's also really good to just stay at home. Well, praise God that your marriage is still intact after yes. the loss of children. So are there certain ways that you and your husband were successful in communicating to each other if you needed, say, more space or more listening or more just sitting there and being or perhaps just holding each other? Yeah, I really think all of the above. Everything you just listed. Um, you know, there are moments where you know, years ago, I would look at him and, and say, I'm really sorry if I say anything that hurts your feelings, but I just have to say this right now. I just have to say it out loud. I might be speaking to you, but I'm not actually talking like to you. I just have to say it. I just have to get it out, you know? And so um, in those moments, because not every moment, started like that. But in those moments when I was able to like, I just have to say this, you know, he would be able to receive it or just hear it, but not take it. Um, like as I'm uh, attacking him, he, he really was able to just like, okay, I'm here for you. I need to listen to whatever, you know, you have to get off your chest right now. And he was very good at that, you know? Um, and then yes, other times it's just like, I already know what you're thinking and what you're feeling because it's the exact same thing for me. And so in those moments, you're like, we don't even have to talk. We just sit right next to each other, front porch, couch, whatever, wherever we're at, or just like silently kind of hold each other's hands. Like, yeah, me too. <sighs> okay. All right. You know, and it's like, we're one flesh. I mean, we, we are connected. And so we're able to just kind of share that and, um, I'm so grateful, you know, and then yes, there, there are those times too, where it's like, you're having a really good day or I'm having a really bad day. And 
we give each other space. Like, it's okay that you're super angry or frustrated or just crying, you know, whatever it may be. Feel it. It's all right. Go through it. And it's almost like when the other one is having a good day, like that's the brace, you know, like you get to just hold me up. Thank you. Because it usually then switches, right? Oh, now I'm having a good day and you're having a really rough time today, you know, and you just extend grace for each other. So, I mean, it's like he can't do anything for me to bring our children back. And it's the same for me, you know, but we choose to just embrace each other and hold each other up and really support each other. So I I love that. I'm grateful. What a tough load to haul for the two of you, Rachel. Mm -hmm. I don't imagine you would have thought that God would have brought you to this place with the loss of multiple children. So can you swing back the clock and tell us where you met your husband in the first place? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I met my husband, actually. Um, I was living in California at the time with my mom, and I came up to visit my dad who lived in Oregon. And I had a friend at the time, and she was having a birthday party. Um, sweet 16, maybe 15 or so. Anyways, I was 16. And so I go to her party and it's themed hula party. And so I have a hula skirt on, you know, and, um, you know, just dressed in really fun, bright colors. And she has all these little cousins around her and me now and, and we're dancing and whatnot. And, and so he happened to be at the same place and uh, he actually ended up telling me, he goes, I thought you were a mom because you had all these little kids dancing around you. I'm like, I'm only 16. Like, how old do you think I look? You know, like, do I look old? And of course, you know, that wasn't the case. He's just, you know, 18 himself and like, oh, well, she's pretty cute, but she's probably a mom because all these little kids are around her. So we met at a birthday party and I was dancing in a hula skirt, just having a really good time. And, um, And then, you know, life happened and I no longer lived in California. And I actually, my brother and I, we moved up to Oregon uh, with my dad and we ended up going to school. And I also met my husband's uh, sister. He has two, but I met the one who happened to be the one that I flew over to South Carolina to help have her baby. Um, We went to school together. And so we started being friends and hanging out and all that. And then, you know, her brother was always around too. And he's He's pretty hot. He's he's a very good-looking, attractive man, you know. And he's mine, and so I'm grateful. <laughs> but yeah, we met like 16 and 18, and then just had a long-standing friendship, and then eventually started dating and just doing life together. Great stories from the founder of Heart's Desire Ministry and Selah V Ministry. Make sure to follow Rachel Prophet on Facebook, and you could follow Heart's Desire Ministry and Selah V Ministry on Instagram. More with Rachel next on Difference Makers. You're listening to Difference Makers. My name is Mike Lee and admittedly I like the feeling of being liked. I like sharing stories that make people smile or that make people laugh. But sometimes we have to talk about tougher topics. And today, Rachel Prophet, who is the founder of Heart's Desire Ministry and C'est La Vie Ministry, has been gracious enough to share her story as a mom who has lost three of her five children to heaven and dealing with it and growing with it and making sure that she and her husband communicated well enough that despite all that they've been through, their marriage is intact. And these things aren't easy. When we're 16 or 18 years old, when the butterflies are in our stomach, when our heart's beating faster, when you see that cute person who eventually becomes your significant other, we didn't sign up for the rest of this. We didn't expect it. And after marriage, sometimes people have difficulty getting pregnant at all. But one of the more unnatural things I think that anyone can go through is to have 
and lose a child. So, Rachel, I just want to thank you and your husband and Heart's Desire Ministry so much for sharing hope with people through the hardest of circumstances. So I want to ask you this. Are there things that people told you (laughs) that brought you comfort and peace and encouragement? Or were they just there? For instance, Rick Warren of Saddleback Church, Purpose Driven Life, he and his wife, Kay, lost a son. And in, in his words, his suggestion would be, show up and shut up. Mm-hmm. And he said this mm-hmm. caringly, that the innermost circle of the Warrens family, they just came over and brought food with them, and they didn't try to fix things mm-hmm. or do anything. They just spent time. So what words of encouragement were you given? What did people do for you in your times of loss that really helped? Well, I agree with what you just said. <laughs> Show up and just shut up in in a loving manner. That really is the best thing. I had some um, close girlfriends of mine. Um, one in particular would just come over and sit on my couch. She wouldn't speak, really. I mean, she would look at me. She would acknowledge me. Of course, she would give me a hug. But she just came over and she just sat on my couch. And it gave this sense of like, I am not alone. And you, on purpose, are willing to sit in this with me, with us, my husband and I. And your presence is just there. So I'm not alone. You're on my couch. You know you have nothing to say to make it better. And she was just quiet the whole time. She would allow me to cry. She would allow me to yell. She would, you know, whatever I needed to do, she was just there. And that brought comfort. She needed nothing from me. And I didn't need anything from her. She was just there. And I was extremely grateful. My other friend, she would just come in and she wouldn't ask me, Honey, what can I do for you? Honey, where can I help? What do you need? I cannot answer you with what I need. I need one thing and you can't bring it to me. So nothing. Not, I, I care about nothing else. And so she knew that and she would just come in. My goodness, she would do any and all dishes that she would ever see in my sink or on my counters. She would fold every single piece of laundry and then start the washer and dryer. And she would fold it. She would either just like put it on my bed or she would just, you know, do the best she knew to do and put it away or hang it up or whatever. Those like just I'm going to serve you in the way that I know how to serve you. And it's folding a mountain of laundry or whatever the case may be. I'm going to sweep your floors and wipe down your table. That like that was so loving and kind for me because Am I capable of folding laundry? Sure. Do I care? Not one bit. I do not care about laundry. I do not care about dinner. Um, I, I don't care about dishes. Nothing. And they just came in and were here. They brought in food, hot food even. Like I didn't even have to put it in the oven. Like that was too much for me at that time. You know, so those like physical acts of service, those were like monumental, you know, and I obviously like I remember those. I cherish those in my heart, you know, and then, yeah, people would say, you know, either face to face or phone call text. I received like uncountable amounts of cards and letters and whatnot. Um, People actually sharing their you know, um, testimonies or their life experiences with me either. I never even told anybody, but my husband and I, we also lost a child or we had a miscarriage or, you know, whatever their story is. Um, they would share that with me in a letter or a card. And so it's like, Oh wow. I feel the most alone I've ever felt before in my life. And yet I'm not. And here's another letter or here's another card saying their story. Like, you had mentioned before, the group that you find yourself in, the, the, the group of loss, it becomes so large. And, and it is upsetting, you know, because no one wants to be in that club. But people would come and, and say, you know, your children are alive. 
and you are going to see them. You will. You know, they would just hold me. They would hug me. They'd give me words of encouragement. Like, no matter what, you're still her mother. There isn't another better mother for your child. She's still yours. You still had her or them, you know, that nobody can take that away from you. So those types of words of encouragement were very beneficial or, you know, no matter what, like you cry every single tear that you need to cry out because you love them and, and you don't let anybody put time on you. And I was like, thank you so much for almost like giving me permission, you know, to say like, thanks, but no thanks time. You know, you don't heal me at all. Jesus actually is the one who heals me. But people coming to me saying like, you know, it, it, it's been X amount of days or it's been this long. You should be over this by now. Like, don't you let anybody put a time frame of grieving on you because no one walks in your shoes. You know, so I was so grateful for those comments. Now, other comments never needed to be made. <laughs> and Rachel, in fairness to people who perhaps haven't gone through the loss of a birth or of a child, it can be awkward. I think mm-hmm. sometimes we don't know the right thing to say. So as a result, many people either say the wrong thing out of nervousness or they don't say anything at all because they don't want to take that risk. And sometimes a deafening silence can be even worse than awkwardness. So something that my wife came Mm -hmm. up with from her old church was praying that we could see people through God's eyes and maybe trying to appreciate their intention, even Mm -hmm. if their words come out so incredibly wrong. Yes, yes, I would have to purposely choose to exercise grace to individuals that would come up to me and and say the most, you know, awkward or obscure thing, I'm going to choose to have grace for you because this situation that I'm in is also new for you as well, right? Or I know people don't know what to say. Um, you know, a really close friend of mine had actually said to me one time, we were actually in Mariah's garden, like where she is placed. And she's standing next to me and she goes, do you feel like any of your days are getting better? It was exactly two weeks later, two weeks after I lost my very first daughter. And I was kind of shocked and stunned, like two weeks. No, my days are not getting better. You know, and it's like, what else do you say, right? Like, um, do you, like, are you feeling better at all? Like, you doing okay? Like, no, I am not, and I won't be. But I choose to still, like, have grace and understanding of, like, you don't, you don't know what to say. And her defense, really, she had actually never experienced death at all. She still has both her parents. She still has both sets of grandparents. She has her four kids. She has her husband. And so she was very much unaware of death within her own personal circle. I had a different girlfriend um, that was close to me at the time and actually said to me, you know, maybe this is a good thing. You weren't very big, like your belly itself. You weren't really big. She may have been retarded. There may have been something really wrong with her. And so this is probably better. I was speechless. How on earth do you ever think that statement is going to make me feel better in any sort of way? It did not. Now, if you have those thoughts running through your mind, okay, it's a legit, legitimate thought. Don't ever speak that out loud to me. That is not going to make me feel better. It's not going to heal anything. And I don't want to agree with that. Like, yeah, you know what? You're probably right. Like, my body just failed or my body failed my baby or... I did something wrong because I didn't get large and in charge. I didn't gain however many pounds in pregnancy or, you know, it's better that my child died because 
There could have been something, you know, uh, mistaken in her brain or her body. I don't receive that. And no, absolutely not. And when she was born, my, my Mariah Serene was the most beautiful baby girl. The most beautiful. And nothing was wrong with her. In fact, the reason why she was actually stillborn was she used to dance in my belly all of the time. And I mean, really just dance. And the cord happened to be wrapped around her neck twice. And her arm was caught in the cord, you know, and at 4 a.m. one morning, like that movement just stopped. And I actually sat right up in bed and I grabbed my belly and I said out loud, I need you to move. I need you to move right now. Like as a mama, sometimes you just have that intuition that you just know, like, um, something isn't right. Something is really different, you know? So it wasn't a fault of, of anything, you know, babies are actually born and born alive, wrapped up in their cords all of the time. It just, I just ended up with a different outcome, you know. Rachel Prophet is the founder of Heart's Desire Ministry and Selah V Ministry. And she and her husband are blessed with two kids on this earth and three in heaven. So, Rachel, I just want to thank you for sharing your pain and your experiences, but also your victories and the hope that God has given you throughout this process. So if there were anything on your heart that you would want to share with our audience, both those who have suffered the loss of a child and those who have not, what would that be? Excellent question. I think it would be that God really doesn't miss a thing. He really does see you. He hears you. He absolutely knows your pain and what you're going through. And that he is actually closer than your very breath. He really is a God who is with us and has also experienced extreme painful things in this life and also extreme joy in this life. And so I, I know that I personally, I am still alive walking around this earth because of God. And I, I owe him everything. And so I'm grateful that I know I can go to him and that he is so aware and so present in anything that, that I experience or I feel like I've missed out on, you know? And I feel honored, actually, that he asked me to create both, you know, Heart's Desire and Say La Vie Ministry. And so with Heart's Desire, it's as if it would be the Lord himself, like giving you that living promise, that peace to hold on to. Like, I really am here. And <laughs> when he actually asked me to create this, this ministry, because of course it's for others, it's supposed to go out. He had asked me, I want these keys to be placed in hospitals. So that way any parent that would have to walk out empty handed, because let me tell you, you do not just know how to leave without your child at any age it would be that peace that you physically get to hold on to. He himself gives you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And that's where your loved one is at. I hold the keys. I'm able to go in there and see them through Jesus, you know? And so when he said, I want these keys to be placed in the hospitals and placed in the hands of parents that would have to walk out empty handed, I was like, oh my gosh, how do you even do this? How do you start that? You know, um, some of the keys are in one hospital already, but um, I'm, I'm waiting and I'm praying for that door to open for those hospitals to say, I'd love to have this ministry come into our hospital to have that extra peace that we can serve well the people that we are already helping, um, that are hurting, and 
I don't know, it's just one more uh, tool, I guess, you know, that is able to be used to really help heal hearts. Um, and so I'm, I'm honored and I'm grateful to even just be that tiny little piece, you know, that the Lord has asked, like, just do this. And so in, in obedience, I do. I make them and I send them out and all of that. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Just that he is really close. He really is. And even if you feel or think or believe, you know, he doesn't get it, he, he, he won't know. It is just the opposite. I know <laughs> because he's told me, he has shown me, you know. On our way out, Rachel, is there anyone you'd like to say hi to or send a shout out to? Well, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm so grateful for my husband, Stephen Prophet. Um, I really love my two beautiful girls that I'm so grateful that I do get to hold in my arms. And that's my Hannah Jade and my Selah Joy. Um, I definitely want to say I miss my Mariah Serene, my Seth David, and my Serena Faith. I'm grateful for everyone that is in my life that really loves me and supports me. I'm grateful for Sandy Cruz, for Open Doors of Opportunity. I'm very, very grateful right now for the doors of opportunity that my Lord has opened at New Life Foursquare Christian Church over in Lincoln City. Um, I've got to preach there a handful of times, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm grateful for every woman that um, has ever received uh, a key um, necklace uh, and or received, um, sent in an email to me. And also for every woman that has ever said yes to Say Livy Ministry to come together and encourage one another and lift up each other and cherish time together. So I'm just grateful. And we're grateful that you came on the program today. So thank you so much. Rachel Prophet, who preaches, she serves on leadership and in women's ministry, and she's also founded Heart's Desire Ministry and Say La Vie Ministry, and all of the pertinent links will be up on the Difference Makers page at TrueTalk 800. Com. So thank you so much again, Rachel Prophet. Thank you, Mike. I'm honored. And thank you for listening to Difference Makers. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.